This is session 24 of This Should Work with Maya Bird Murphy, an architect and the lead of Chicago Mobile Makers. I had a great time talking with Maya about the efforts that she has underway in Chicago for her mobile maker program, uh, its growth, and uh, where she sees it headed in the future. So thanks for listening as always, and here's Maya. Okay, so we're here with Maya Bird Murphy, um, who does all sorts of fun things, and I'm going to see if I can get at least one of them right this time. Um, you know, so you, you, you founded and, and run the Chicago Mobile Makers, what is Chicago Mobile Makers program, Chicago Mobile Makers nonprofit, Chicago Mobile Makers... It's a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. That has um, lots of programs. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, you're also an architect, which is, I, I think, super interesting for all sorts of reasons that we might get into. Mm -hmm. And what else that that what else do you want to know? What else do you want people to know about you aside from <laughs> those two things? I mean, those are the big things these uh -huh. days. Yeah, um, right. Mostly the nonprofit. I also work at an architecture firm. Yeah. Part time. Yeah. Um, I have to say that I'm not technically an architect yet. Yeah. Because I have to take some exams. Okay. I'm an architectural designer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's interesting. So uh, uh, usually I start this out, and uh, you know we we actually ha did this recording once, <laughs> and all technical difficulties, asking you what you're working on. Um, I'm not going to do that right now, at least, because what I want to know is it, it know as well is what got you interested. You probably a had a lot of people ask you this, but architecture seems like a very challenging area of challenging profession to to break into mm -hmm. um, and and so I feel like m you have to have a certain passion for it and if you you know pursue that what what, what connected you to, to architecture <coughs> yeah I do get this question a lot yeah I know <laughs> I don't exactly know how to answer it because it's true that it is really hard to break into this field yeah um, which we'll get into more later sure um, <laughs> But I think a big part was that I grew up in Oak Park. Yeah. Um, and I was surrounded by right. architecture. Right. And, you know, Oak Park is very close to Chicago. Right. And there, there's a lot of architecture there. So yeah. I just had examples of architecture everywhere. And then Frank Lloyd Wright has yeah. his home and studio there and a bunch of different right. homes. And so it was talked about a lot. Architecture was talked about a lot in, yeah. in Oak Park. Um, so I always knew about it, and I like to say that I acquired architecture mm -hmm. um, because I didn't have to do any work to like figure out what architecture was. Yeah. So, what arch architecture seems to me to be interesting as well, or at least a lot of the people I know who are who are in, in you know architects or involved in architecture, um, because it's also exploring like the the um, intersection between people and space and how space influences. I, now I'm getting a little outside <laughs> of my wheel. I'm a game designer and, and I make products. I'm an industrial designer, not an architect. Mm -hmm. um, so I should preface all of this, but it seems like there's some, there's some, uh, some interest in um, how the things that we make, and particularly the big things we make, influence behavior and how, human, how people also influence the, their environments. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, first of all, I guess I should ask, is that a thing that, uh, am, am I jumping the gun, is this way too far ahead? Is that a thing that, that you find interesting or that connects you to it? Or Definitely. Um, but I would say that the, an issue with architecture mm -hmm. is that people aren't thought about enough, and you would mm. think that that would be the first thing you would think about. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and you would think that architects were 
really talking to the people that were going to be using their spaces. Mm. But that doesn't happen very often. Right, right. Um, which is unfortunate because there's, you know, there's a client, there's a developer sometimes. Right. Um, and those are usually the people who are, you know, consulted first when making decisions. Right. So kind of like the difference between doing something for versus doing something with exactly. uh, yeah. people, the community, mm -hmm. those sorts of things. It's curious to me too. I think about <coughs> there's this um, there's this philosophy. Uh, it's a, a speculative realism. It comes out of like um, Heidegger and, and some other things. But anyways, it talks. It, it, one of the guys who um, writes about it is uh, his name is Graham Harmon, and he teaches at an architecture school. And one of the things that he talks about is um, architecture as it's oriented towards the people who are in that environment, but also the environment itself that it's situated in. Mm -hmm. um, and I find some strange connections between thinking about uh, in those areas and also um, in maker areas as well, because there mm -hmm. seem to be a lot of uh, um, parallels between um, architecture and some of the challenges that it might face. Mm -hmm. and then. I hate saying maker culture because it's got this, yeah. um, but I don't know what other word to call it, in it that encapsulates what I'm, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and that maker culture faces. Have you, have you ever like? Do you explore those intersections at all? Do you? Do you uh, Probably unintentionally. Uh, yeah, right. This is yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that I've always tried to do work in architecture in the firms that I've worked in. We're always. Um, firms that were looking more into the actual people, yeah. um, trying to be more conscious about the environment that the building is, you know, going to affect. Right. Um, and so, yeah, maybe maybe Chicago Mobile Makers is kind of my bridge <laughs> between those two things in a way. Yeah. And that's something I've never thought about. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, it's, that's, it, so tell us a little bit about Chicago Mobile Makers, mm -hmm. and then what we can dive into that too. Sure. Yeah. Um, so Chicago Mobile Makers is a nonprofit organization. Um, we go around Chicago and Oak Park recently um, and do kind of making and design thinking and problem solving workshops right. um, for youth like age 8 to 18, um, which is a pretty big range. Yeah. But um, <laughs> sometimes that's a one off workshop, sometimes it's a 10 week workshop. So Right. Um, and everything in between. Right. And then you have this truck now, mm -hmm. and you raised some funding for the truck. And last time we talked, this was a, a, no, maybe this not particular thing, but in general, you said you were, uh, what was the word, stressed maybe? <laughs> or <laughs> this is like, uh, yeah. 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 Definitely a little bit stressed just yeah. because there, there are a lot of moving parts happening right now. So, you know, I'm running the company, which yeah. is, you know, a lot in itself. Yeah. Um, but then we also have this construction <laughs> project <laughs> happening at the same time. Right. Um, which is kind of funny because I've never been a client for architecture, which is a uh, kind of funny thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm also designing it too, so it's, it's right. kind of a design-build situation. But we bought a truck that's it's about 20 feet long, yeah. um, and it's an old USPS delivery van. Yeah. Um, and we kind of demolished it in a way in the inside, so we like took everything apart yeah. on the inside. So now it's just the bare walls. Um, and then we're going to convert it and make it into a mobile maker space. Yeah. So 
that means that we're going to have power tools, hand tools, digital fabrication tools. Right. Um, and then we'll be able to bring those tools to wherever we want to do a project. What are some, what's like the, give me the highlights of the unique challenges you face. So makerspaces in general, if they're stationary, face mm -hmm. unique challenges, right? We built these spaces here at DePaul and the questions were myriad from administrators. Sure. Uh, what happens if they cut a finger off mm -hmm. or, um, you know, we've had, we've, uh, you know, circuits have gone blown and you know all sorts of <laughs> issues yeah. here but then i can only imagine putting it on wheels <laughs> and taking it to places mm -hmm. as as a whole new element yes yeah so i'm sure that there are many problems that i don't know that <laughs> we're sure, gonna have. okay <laughs> um, yeah but the biggest thing is like what if i hit a pothole and like oh. you know the machines are going crazy so i right. think we need to specifically pick machines that are hardy enough, and I think that it's going to be really different than than a makerspace that's inside. Right. Um, I was telling you before that we have our limits because it's in a truck, and like yeah. I think that's okay, yeah. and we're going to embrace that. Um, so we'll have we won't have that many um, digital fabrication yeah. things because those are just more fragile. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, we'll just have to be really careful about what what we choose to buy when right. we get there. But a lot of the things will be like hand tools and power tools, which those will be completely fine. Right. Um, it's right. just, it's the it's the laser cutter that I'm most worried about. <laughs> right, yeah, right, with calibration and mm -hmm. recalibration exactly. if you hit something and all, all sorts of stuff like that. I can imagine mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> a lot of your time is just gonna be spent getting, once you get to the location, you know, uh, making sure that everything is is in order. Sure. So where's the location? We were talked a little bit before. What what kind of locations are we are we thinking about for this? Yeah. So the the biggest thing about this truck is that it's making our programming really accessible, mm -hmm. and it means that we can actually. Right now, we're not doing any um, construction or digital fabrication classes because we don't have the tools or the truck's not ready yet. Mm -hmm. um, but it will let us grow and start giving um, different lessons that have to do with like real life building. Um, yeah. So a location could be a parking lot or an empty lot. Yeah. And we could set up, the truck will be specifically designed so that we can unload things quickly. Things are folding, they yeah. fit in small spaces. Um, so saw horses, for instance, we right. can just take off the truck um, and set up a little workstation right outside. The truck will have all the power that we need. We'll have right. a generator. Right. Um, and even like we're even gonna like integrate um, like extension cords in a kind of a cool way. Oh, <laughs> so like okay. There are these little yeah. design features that w I think will be really cool. Yeah. Um, and then we could do an, an entire design build process with like let's say teenagers. So we would spend some time maybe in their classroom yeah. um, doing the design work, and then the second half would be the building. So they would design, and for example, we're trying to do some kind of community garden project mm. at some point. Sure. Um, where we have a group of students design and build all of the elements for the community garden, and hopefully all of those kids are from that neighborhood right. or from the surrounding area. Um, and so they would actually build everything with their hands and then they would walk past every day to school or something and, and see that community garden and see, you know, the right. work that they did. So there's the connection, right? So my question is then, you know, if architecture 
one of the um, challenges is doing things with the community. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, you know, having hopefully students from the community and things like that. How do you, um, how do you, how do you partner with these communities? Because you're going to be in this. Mm -hmm. It sounds like not just one community. Then this is wherever you go. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you connect to that community? How do you find the the right students and, and the right people yeah. uh, for, to, to to partner with? I think that's a big question. Yeah. And, you know, maybe down the line we do have a, a certain amount of communities that that we work with more. Yeah. Um, but right now we've kind of just dappled in, <laughs> in a few yeah. different places. <laughs> yeah. Just right. To see, I mean, we're really just going to places where people are interested in what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so far, but I'm sure that later, when we're more established, we'll have specific communities that we work with, and maybe we have a relationship with a community organization down in, you right. know, in Woodlawn, right, um, or in Bronzeville or something, yeah. and um, maybe we do a few projects with with those people. So. So one of the things that when um so like we have you know students coming through the the spaces at uh, that we run at, at at DePaul let's say and um one of the things that i try to whenever i'm working with a student um uh, convey to them is that when they're building something like let's say we're in uh we're, we're building a, an urban garden right uh when they're they're building that thing it's not just the end itself, but they have to think mm -hmm. about the process mm -hmm. and how the process and the currents of the materials and, and things of that nature, uh, how, you how you commune with the, the environment and the materials and the people are just as important as this idea sure. that you have in your head. And oftentimes that's a really powerful thought for them because they're all, your whole K-12 education, you're learning to, to the test, right? You're yeah. learning to mm -hmm. the outcome of the thing rather than the process of the thing. Um, and, and so I wonder what, how do you do that with architecture? Because it's uh, urban gardens maybe aren't architecture. I don't know. Any mm -hmm. again, not my. <laughs> but but it seems like you're you're trying to build or that example at least mm -hmm. is building an environment. So what are the things that you you work through with a student, um, so that they they know that they're not just building, the, they're not working mm -hmm. towards the outcome, but yeah. that there's also uh, there's a lot in between that's happening. What yeah. what are some specific like touchstones that you might touch on? Um, well, our 10-week program is like fully about process. I yeah. mean, there is an end goal, but um, we don't even really talk about the end goal until like we're halfway through. Right. Um, they know what they're doing, but we don't even talk specifics. So um, in our 10-week, we are thinking about how to change a community um, mm. in a positive way. Yeah. So we give them a site that they're going to be working with and it's their job to like learn everything about this site and yeah. what's around it. So um, we take them through a process and it's the design process yeah. um, that you would do in, in an architecture firm as yeah. well. It's the exact same thing or what you do in, in architecture school um, where you start with analysis and mapping and really understanding the area. Mm -hmm. And we always pick a site that's in the, the maybe it's a two block walk from the school or something so yeah. they can actually go by we <coughs> actually do a neighborhood walk at some point yeah um so it's analysis and mapping we do a SWAT challenge which mm -hmm. is strengths weaknesses opportunities threats yeah um all about the neighborhood 
Um, and so they're getting a deep understanding about their neighborhood. And, and I mean, most of them have been living in their neighborhood mm -hmm. for a while and have a good understanding already. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a different way to look at it and right. to look at it really deeply. Um, and then we move on to thinking about how what's what's missing and and what's needed yeah and the kids are coming up with this all of this stuff yeah so they're looking at what they just found on the maps yep. and saying oh we don't have a grocery store a two-minute walk away or whatever right. yeah. um, or something that's needed and right. not there and then they're figuring out what they would like to build in their groups and then yeah. they build a model of it so the model is the end goal yeah um, and then they do a presentation um, but I think in architecture something that is really kind of unique is that in in real life you're, you're done with a project kind of when it's built um, mm -hmm. sometimes not though because mm. sometimes you need to <laughs> fix right. things around. right yeah um, but <laughs> in architecture school especially you have your finished model that you you know worked hours on yeah and then you have a critique and yep. So the critique is all about how you could make your design better. So it's yep. like you're not actually done. So yeah. there's there's no real finished product in this. Yeah. But going through that that thinking process is totally different than what you do in school. Right. And it's just they I mean, all the kids have fun because it's totally right. different. We're going into classrooms and right. like taking over their math class for the hour. Right. And so they're doing something totally different and I think they get a lot out of it. So one of the things that's interesting to me about that is that when um, when a you know you're going through your traditional ed ed education, um, like you said, you don't have that uh, critique or that pushback of like. Mm -hmm. um, well, so I'll put it another way. Uh, one of the things that we talk about in our, our makerspaces and in some of the classes that we you know that I teach here at, at DePaul in our makerspaces is that. Um, uh, materials want to be used a certain way mm -hmm. and so you can have an idea in your head about how the world's supposed to work um, but once you externalize that idea and expose it to real things uh, wood wants to be cut in like a certain direction and at a certain rate mm -hmm. you begin to notice that uh, all the ideas that you have in your head are mediated by how you think the world works mm -hmm. but the world has all sorts of other ideas and tests don't really teach you that and so like architecture it sounds like when you're talking about it instead of wood I, and I don't mean this to negate the idea of people in general but mm -hmm. people are kind of the, the people outside of your head are the mm -hmm. thing that's externalizing your ideas so that you have an idea of what the community needs and then you do a critique where people say well, maybe yeah. but also this or instead of this this and so it's again kind of um, m moving towards this thing where you're externalizing knowledge rather than, you know, this, this sure. and it's, it's actually quite prevalent, this idea that, um, you know, you hear people say things like everything's subjective or, that, you know, but it's not true. Everything is, is not subjective. Sure. And there are certain things that are, that are real, whether or not you can have access to it, maybe, you know, I'm not going to say I know what's real and what isn't. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting because it seems like there's this connection that could be made there when you have students building things too. Mm -hmm. Do you see that happening? Do you see like students connecting the idea um, that they can um, 
that they go through these design critiques for the, the you know their ideas that they're making, and then I wonder what happens when you bring like a mobile maker van into a place too, and now they've got this idea, and they've done critiques with people, and then they have to build the thing, and they see it transform again, mm -hmm. because <laughs> all because now you're working with yeah. things that want to you know is. It, I, I haven't really thought yeah. much about it, but... <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, <laughs> but like, oh, yeah, this is very cool, though. It's definitely... Yeah. I mean, I... People have asked me, like, how do you know that this is working or, like, doing yeah. what you think it should be doing? And I think that's one of the ways that... I mean, it's hard to... <laughs> we, we might have to have, like, a rubric or something. Right. Like qualitative things. Right. Um, but, yes, this is how we... Um, test is like um, are the people empowered by something right um, did the did the student learn what you're trying to have them learn that's yes. not a good way to put it but like um, they meet their goals your learning goals or your yeah. learning outcomes and do they have co more confidence about what they they're doing did they pick up skills yeah like all of these are qualitative things that you know, again, you can't test. Yeah, I think that's how you know that it's working, and I do need to find a, a better way <laughs> to. Trust <laughs> me, you're not the only person <laughs> working on this problem. Yeah. I have these conversations with, with folks all of the time, and I've got questions now. So this is good. So what's uh, what is it about? First of all, you mentioned skills and empowerment. What is it about acquiring skills? And particularly, we're talking about physical making mm -hmm. skills, I think. Mm -hmm. what, is it, what is it about that that you think might be empowering to students? Um, well, I think some of them are physical. I think some of them mm -hmm. are more, um, I mean, it could be something like professionalism in an office. You know, that, that's a skill, sure. you know? Yeah, so absolutely. There are, there are some non-physical ones. But um, I think that when... I'm forgetting what you just said. <laughs> no, so we're talking about empowerment and yeah. what it is about gaining skills that's empowering, right? Because one of the things sure. you said is like you want you want students to walk away feeling empowered. Um, yes. So some people don't like the word empowered, but I think it it works well. So maybe it's like gaining confidence or um, something like that. But I think it's really important that people have skills and have access to learning skills. Uh -huh. um, and this is kind of the whole point of Chicago yeah. Makers. But yeah. like, um, I think it's important because people need to be able to do things themselves and need mm. to be able to make change themselves. So mm. if we're going back to architecture, communities like, let's say, South Shore, which is like so far from downtown, yeah. um, they can't wait until architects come and see. develop. Right. And they probably don't want that to happen anyway because right. it's not going to be probably for their own good. <laughs> right, right. It'll be for them rather than with them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so people, especially people of color, um, need to become architects, which I'm not hoping that the, all of my students become architects, but sure. there's a long list of things that we need in, in the built environment to make right. you know to make change. So yeah. architects, developers, mm -hmm. electricians, plumbers, mm -hmm. um, you know, all of these things that have to do with making right. um, tradespeople, yeah, absolutely, um, construction workers. So we need people who know how to 
have who have those skills to make change in their built environments. Yeah. Um, and so that, in my opinion, needs to be grassroots, and mm. um, we can't rely on the college system. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. people need to be able to do things themselves, and then yeah. they will teach other people how to do them. Yeah. Um, and it c it can't be a top down approach, which is what we've kind of we've just been sitting and waiting for that to happen, and yeah, um, it, it can't it doesn't work like okay. that. Okay, so I was going to ask, what's the contrast to what you see now? But that kind of answers some of it at least. Where you said we can't wait. Um, so what's the what is the uh, yeah? I guess my contrast question was going towards like what is the uh, what are the challenges that um, you know? Well. Okay, so when you were talking about how um, we need to understand how how to do things ourselves and make mm -hmm. things, this is a problem I see actually quite broadly, which mm -hmm. is that we have such complex systems mm -hmm. that are almost uh, Im impossible to define what's happening inside of them. Sure. Anyway. They're like these super objects that 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 have you know been built on. There's a book called The Toaster Project, mm -hmm. and um, this, this guy buys a toaster, takes it apart. And then tries to, from soup to nuts, make his own toaster. Mine the materials, mm -hmm. um, you know. But then after he mines the materials, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, you know, turn them into usable. You know, synthesize them. Mm -hmm. uh, then create components with them, and all these. You know. And so he's going through this whole process that's been masked, yeah. right? This whole complex system that's been masked, and it seems like. Y you know, then in, in the communities that you're talking about, that's uh, that has to be a particular challenge. And I wonder what what are the the, the um, how do you how do you overcome that with a mobile program like yours? Mm -hmm. And how how do other people replicate something like that? You, you know, yeah. as you're moving, <laughs> you're looking <laughs> at me like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a tall order. <laughs> yeah, mean, right. I obviously. Chicago Mobile Makers is not going to, to fix any of these actual problems. Right. Um, but I'm hoping that, and I think there are other companies and nonprofits out there yeah. who are doing similar work. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing that we need to continue creating these opportunities and then, you know, eventually in years and years, right, right. things will change. But yeah. um, we need to take these little steps now. Um, or we're, I mean, we're never going to get anywhere. And it's good that, like, the, you know, the maker culture or whatever. Yeah, whatever we're um, going to call it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's very trendy. Yeah. And, and that's helping these situations where schools are like, oh, we need a 3D printer. They, right. A lot of them don't know what th to do with no. it. Um, and they're just sitting there. But <laughs> um, it's this trendy thing where people th know that they should be using these tools and yeah. should be trying to, to teach these tools. But... Um, yeah, I think we just need more teachers, and, right. and I think there are going to be a lot more teachers in the future. Yeah, so we have um, a I, so. Th let's say I'm teaching, um, or, or you're teaching one of your courses, and your students, um, you know, they go through this this program where they understand process for the first five weeks, and then we start talking about the outcome, and at the end they do, um, you know, they have a model and the critique. Um, uh, my question is, what is the, 
I, so I've learned design process a little bit. I've learned how uh, to go through a design critique and so forth. Do you see them learning? You're talking about like learning outcomes or what mm -hmm. the goals are, you know, and, and ensuring that they achieve those. What is it that that program teaches them, and is it more than design process and uh, how to create a model and how to go through a design critique? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like to say that it's design thinking and problem solving. Like, those are mm -hmm. the, the two huge things that they get out of it, and those two things can be, be used in any aspect of your life. Yeah. And so I try, we talked a little bit about, like, the usefulness of these workshops, and yeah. I, I don't need these kids to become architects. Yeah. Um, I hope that eventually some will choose to go into the design fields or right. the construction trades. Um, but I think the point of everything is that they need to be able to take something tangible mm -hmm. once they leave this workshop. And yeah. So we talked a little bit about um, earlier about how, you know, maker culture, it's trendy. So, like, mm -hmm. it's cool to learn how to use a 3D printer and then, like, make a fidget spinner. Sure, and right. <laughs> and there, there's value to that, Yeah. but I will probably never offer workshops like that. Like, sure. there should always be some meaning behind what you're making, and it mm -hmm. could just be like a silly little object, but like, the, the workshop needs to be teaching the kids like, about their community, Mm -hmm. and maybe more about their own lives or about how they have the power to change right. um, what they see around them. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you're talking about connecting them to systems. So mm -hmm. when I'm making something, whether it's with my hands or like digital fabrication, which is not making something with my hands, mm -hmm. which is there's a disconnect that happens there. Mm -hmm. But when I'm making something that I'm connecting it to some broader knowledge set, mm -hmm. it, I, I don't mean inter this is what I'm, I'm hearing at least is is that when you connect it to this larger knowledge set then you realize that the thing um, that making uh, things and tinkering with things and, and hacking things right because it's not just building something from whole mm -hmm. cloth sometimes it's taking something that's broken and taking sure. it apart or not broken and taking it apart mm -hmm. and, and remixing it um, is something that you is not just uh, at hand it's not just with your model that you're working on but mm -hmm. it's like um, you know, systems of governance and power and, and other sure. things that you can connect it to, which is kind of one of the, the threads I'm, I'm hearing there. Mm -hmm. And um, there are all sorts of interesting things about that, but to get back to the qualitative component, I think that's the real challenge, right? Is how do you, how do you quantify the value of something, which if you're working with schools, <laughs> I mean, if that's about it. If you're working with schools, no. If you're working in the corporate culture, you know, there, there's always some question of how do I quantify, how do I, if I'm a teacher, how do I tell my administrators that this is worth doing in the classroom? Yeah. Because I'm meeting uh, NGSS standard X, Y, and Z, or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so science standards, sure. whatever else. And that's a real challenge. I, yeah. And I know you said, <laughs> you said something that <laughs> you, it's not solved, but I wonder if you have any thoughts on that or? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. And I know that that's going to be like a thing that I need to focus on and, yeah. and try to improve what we're doing. But yeah. um, like I said, this is trendy. So right. I am having no trouble <laughs> right, getting yeah. into the classroom. Um, right. 
And so I'm kind of lucking out there where um, if, if I had to sell this more, yeah. then um, I would definitely be, you know, it would be harder to yeah. do. Um, but people know, maybe don't know why totally, but they yeah. know that, that this is a thing that they need to be doing. Yeah. And so that's made my <laughs> life a little bit easier. Right, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's definitely going to be a challenge to put that in words and in numbers, maybe like what <laughs> is this child getting out of this workshop? Right, yeah. And so um, uh, I interviewed on, on this podcast a while back a guy named Jeff Solon. He teaches and runs the makerspace at Lane Tech, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a pretty well, like, you know, other people from sh other Chicago public schools go to Lane Tech, and then they go back and they're like, okay, we need to do this in our makerspace. So it's a pretty, it's a, it's a really well-designed makerspace to Jeff's credit. And um, when I talked with Jeff about it, he said he's not even interested in doing that. Mm. So he's, he's got enough cover or enough, sure. like it's working well enough for him where he doesn't have to quantify it. Um, but he said that is a problem, and I just don't. So, th so Jeff, who's been doing this for quite some time mm. at a school where people are coming to him to see how to do it, to replicate this, mm. also hasn't sure. uh, divined uh, how to do this. And I wonder sometimes if it's because um, whether or not we need to. Like w whether the problem is with uh, maker things or whether the problem is with how schools um, measure sure. success in students. And is that part of the conversation that you have when you when you approach it? I mean, I know it's popular and it's trendy, mm -hmm. and so maybe you don't need to. But is is that ever part of the conversation where you say like, "Listen, I, <laughs> you know, uh, we have a one of the things that I was asked when we built our first space on our campus, and then I'll is, uh, you know, how is this going to support our curriculum?" And I said, uh, and I learned this from a, a guy whose name is Marty Culpepper, who um, runs this conference on Mac makerspaces, and he runs all these spaces at MIT and uh, he says, um, and I said, uh, we have a gym in the basement of our build, the same building, and nobody ever asked how the gym supported sure. curriculum <laughs> when we built it. We just know that it, it should be, you know? So are these, uh, sorry, I digress. The, is, are these questions or conversations that you have when you enter these schools? Not really. No, because you don't <laughs> have to. Yeah, yeah I, bad I, question. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I do believe that there's value in in having some type of rubric yeah. with like learning objectives, learning goals. Yeah. Um, but I think that's different than actually having, you know, you're going to get a grade from this, which I don't, I don't think that these kids should ever get a grade for right. their part. I mean, there have been issues with like if someone's participating enough yeah. for sure. Um, but usually they're totally engaged and yeah. And their teacher is there, which is that's nice about the in-school ones. That right. Yes. <laughs> there's right. like some type of like <laughs> discipline <laughs> where right. support. I don't need to. Yeah. yeah right. Or <laughs> I don't need to do that. Right. Um, so usually it's just it's it's not a conversation. Um, no one has ever really asked me about it. Um, I share that with them the curriculum. Yeah. And so they know. I mean, it's fully written out. Yeah. Um, so they know there's like plenty of organizations mm -hmm. and yeah it's just yeah. it's never really come up in a big way I guess so I'm a student and I want to print a fidget spinner I want to go back to that <laughs> yeah what do you how do you steer me 
out of that? What is it that you what is it that you do to get me um, into you know you've got your curriculum here and I'm like listen, I really just want to do this fidget spinner. What sure. how do you connect that student? Um, I think here's an example. Yeah. So we did an after school program that turned out to be, you know, not as expected <laughs> as okay. sometimes that happens. As, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like stand-up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> like you get up there and you're like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like sometimes there was one kid there and sometimes there were 20. Yep. And we had this curriculum that we had planned. I mean, we we just thought that we would have a consistent amount Cohort. of students. Mm -hmm. um, and that didn't happen. So we had to just kind of do things on the fly. Yeah. And we ended up doing shoe design Kay. which you know a shoe is a little more useful than a fidget spinner probably but I would say so yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> I would say so but maybe in the same thing where it's just shoe, you're just making a cool looking shoe okay um but we did this whole thing where your shoe <laughs> this mm -hmm. is me like really trying to get my yeah, yeah, yeah. get my point across yeah um that shoe even if it was like mystical or like didn't exist that yeah. shoe had to somehow improve the community. <laughs> oh wow! The shoe has to improve the. Com okay, I'm interested. Maybe in maybe I didn't go that far. If no, no. Improving the community, but I said like it had to, it had to do some good in some way. Okay. And, um, you know, I think one kid did like a Dunkin' Donuts shoe that like it got him. A donut quicker or something, but like, okay, and that sure. was acceptable. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but one had like, if the shoe was in the vicinity, all the the guns dropped or something. So like, ah, okay. some people, mm -hmm. you know, really got into it. But yeah, like, yeah, um, I would just say that I would somehow bake that fidget spinner into a larger thing. Yeah. In, in some way, I'm not. I couldn't tell you how I would do it right now. No, no. But I think it could be done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wonder too if part of the problem is that, like, if I'm making a fidget spinner, in all likelihood, I'm downloading a file from like Thingiverse or something like that, sure. and printing it. And you know, one of the ways that I think about um, um, fabricating things and hacking with things is that I. So I teach game. I got hired at DePaul to teach game design. And so I'm very interested in play. And there's this, this guy who uh, gets this really famous game designer who recently passed away. His name is Bernie DeCoven, who talks about um, bringing play into everyday life mm -hmm. and looking at everything around you in a playful manner be because then it encourages you to question rules and to question systems that other people have made. And I, I think of making and tinkering with things mm -hmm. as just a, another form of, it, it is play. It's like questioning rules and systems around us. And so like when I download something on Thingiverse and I'm printing it, printing it it's not connecting it to some wider sure. que system of questioning. And I also wonder then, so you're talking about your mobile, uh, the, the, mo the, the mobile van, and you'll have like a laser cutter and did some, some, not many it sounds like, mm -hmm. digital fab tools and a lot of hand tools and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you see any differences between those two things, between having a machine be another layer between you and whatever it is that you're playing with mm -hmm. versus having like a tool in your hand. Is there any, I, I may be digging too yeah. deep or thinking too much about this, but you know, it sounds like you're purposefully moving towards mm -hmm. a lot of hand tools and then some digital fabrication things. And I wonder if there's like some 
something to that? Well, I would say just because of the truck, we're going to have less digital fab tools. Right. But then if we had a permanent space, okay. maybe we'll have all the digital, you know. Okay, all of the digital uh, fabrication. All, all of them. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it goes back to the usefulness factor and mm -hmm. like if this is actually affecting someone's life in a positive way. Yeah. I think maybe that some that something could be laser cut and sure. it could affect their lives in a in a meaningful way. I I don't see a real difference between like obviously, you know, the traditional way, you know, a lot of people have thoughts about and like strong feelings mm -hmm. about like doing it the traditional day way, which I think there's value in doing, you know, mm -hmm. using a hammer, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But right. I think that if if the end goal is positively affecting something, mm -hmm. and that could be, you know, the fidget spinner is hard for me because <laughs> right. I think, you know, some people use it for stress, so maybe that's, you know. Maybe, but right. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like it skips the process. It right? does skip the, the process. Right. So I would say that I'm never going to hold a workshop that is make your own fidget spinner. Where right. That's the whole point of the, the lesson. You can go to plenty of places that have um, that kind of programming, and uh, that's sure. great. <laughs> sure. Um, Sounds like you have someone in mind, but I'm not going <laughs> to ask what. What? <laughs> yeah. um, I may. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's we're just we're just not going to do that. And right. So we're, we'll have. I don't. I'm not sure exactly what kind of 3D printing um, lessons we're going to have, but they're going to be baked into a larger lesson, even yeah. if it's a one-day thing. Yeah. Um, for example, we're doing, it's not um, digital fab, but we're doing a three-hour workshop on Saturday Yeah. Um, that has to do with healthy communities, and um, they're going to be making a model, but the model's gonna be more of like an end product because it's yeah. just a three hour thing and then they're done. Yeah. Um, and so I think that can be a, you know, a thing that's done with a 3D printer too. Yeah. But it needs to have some like real value and meaning <laughs> behind yeah. like what you're printing. And I think that that's totally, I think that's achievable. Yeah. So we've been talking about value and meaning on a scale of what I would consider maybe like near to medium future for the Chicago mobile makers. Mm -hmm. And what I want to know is, and uh, what I think is interesting about this all is like what, 10 years from now, the Chicago mobile makers are in the newspaper. Mm. And what is that article, <laughs> what is that newspaper article saying? It's a good question. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm hope, I hope that it's saying something about our graduates and I maybe that's not the right word but yeah the hope is that with the mobile maker space and with um, you know I'm hoping to have like maybe a couple satellite like small mm -hmm. maker spaces in different neighborhoods and that means that we can start building an actual community mm -hmm. of people um, coming and doing our workshops so right now you know we're going into schools mostly and so that means that, yeah, we can have a relationship with that school, but the kids are, you know, going to go to the next grade and are going to go maybe to high school. Yeah. Um, maybe go to different high schools. And so it's hard to build that community. Um, so the hope is that we'll have repeat um, 
kids coming in. Right. And so maybe we're going to have 3D printing 101, and yeah. then they can come to three more levels of classes and be okay. a master by the time they're out. Got it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm hoping that we have a, a community of people and we know what they're going to be doing after, you know, they graduate high school. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're going into a trade. Maybe they're going into some design field. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I hope that the article is about <laughs> those yeah. people who have been with us for a long time and have gotten a lot of value um, from our programs and, and are actually going off and, you know, maybe getting a job um, in that field that they, yeah. you know, learned all the foundations in our courses. Sounds a lot like being an educator. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think, I think we're at about an hour. I don't really know. I haven't been. Oh, no, we're not. We ha this is really, f like, time's <laughs> been flying. <laughs> um, but that's such a beautiful place to, to stop, and I don't know where else to go with this <laughs> now. I mean, it's really cool to think that, so those, are, I mean, that speaks to your values, and the values are in the, the community of mm -hmm. students, right? The values are in, um, in the people who are coming through the program, and it's not necessarily the things that they're making sure. or, um, although those are important. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is how we bring it full circle then, too, is is that what architecture is about? It's not about the building necessarily, but it's about the people and how they experience mm -hmm. it. And it, what's, the, what's the connection there? I think, yeah, I think that's definitely, at least for me, yeah. I don't think for everybody, but yeah. um, I think of architecture in that way where um, the building is a tool and I, I haven't used the word tool for the truck yet, but I yeah. think that's what the truck is. The truck is just a tool mm -hmm. um, to start building these other things. Mm -hmm. um, but the building is also a tool to, you know, if it's an educational building, it's a tool to educate the kids. And right. hopefully they're having the best experience they can. And they're coming out of um, this building with knowledge and mm. with um, education and skills and they're going off to do whatever they do next. Yeah. But I do think that the building needs to be this thing that is a temporary object that's going to it's going to go back. Yeah. Hopefully not to the landfill. Right, <laughs> right, hopefully issue. not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but hopefully um, you're using really sustainable materials which you yeah. know we're not there yet in America at least yeah um, where this building is there to serve as a tool for the people that are yeah. residing in it or working in it or whatever and then it's going just like back to the earth <laughs> and yeah. the c people are going to continue to do what they do yeah um, but hopefully the the building served um, as it was supposed to and then yeah it should go back to the earth. But. So Heidegger has this treatise called Tool Being, and he talks about how, um, like one of the examples he uses is a hammer, mm -hmm. and how when, so a hammer's a tool, and when we uh, pick up the hammer, we change how we think about the world around us too. So the tool influences how we understand things around us. We become almost a different object in a way, right? Mm -hmm. So like if every, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail, you've heard that before? Like mm -hmm. when you're holding a hammer, you, you start thinking like that sure. too, right? And so is that is that the same then with 
you know, with the built world, with with the with the maker van, is that when I'm in that space or, or near that space, it changes. Um, it's not just like a, a place that I reside in then, but it changes how I think about the things around me. And if it, and if that's true, you can say no. <laughs> if that's true, my next question would be, what is it that's changing? Yeah, that's a hard question. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that yes, like the way that we're designing it, um, it sh you should feel differently in it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to feel like a whole different world because like yeah. there aren't many of these out there. <laughs> sure, and the cables um, are going to be really have a system too. Yeah, I hear so. Yeah. so like, <laughs> hopefully, all the detail that we put into it um, will make you feel a different way, and like you should feel like ready to make or inspired by mm -hmm. it or. Um, yeah, your second question was how. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, it's definitely something to think about. I think, I think that it will just put you in like some kind of mood. Mm -hmm. We're going to have speakers in there. Sure. <laughs> you got to have that. <laughs> got to have speakers. <laughs> so I think it's just going to like put you in a mood to like get things done. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, and I think that it's going to be inspiring and yeah. I think that, you know, kids from the south and west sides mm -hmm. coming into the space are going to be like, wow, like yeah. I'm hoping that that's it. Like this is supposed to be like a, I'm not, I was going to say state of the art. Maybe it's not that it that crazy cool. Yeah. But I'm hoping that it feels state of the art. You just need some LED strips, yeah. as we learned earlier, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right, with the laser exactly. cutters, and then it'll <laughs> <laughs> the ambiance alone yeah. will do it, right? But it should feel like no other space they've ever been in. Right. And I think that will put them in a place where they're ready to to learn and um, make yeah. some really cool things and. So it'll, sp it'll speak possibilities. I think so. And those possibilities are what? Questioning, playing, tinkering? I think all of those things, but then I'm hoping that the biggest thing they're getting out of it is like, how do I, what can I change? Ah. Um, whether it's, at, you know, the toaster or yeah. like that empty lot down the street. Right. So to go back to the newspaper story, when it's highlighting all of these <laughs> students who come through it, then is it talking just? Is it? it, it it's not just talking about the next fidget spinner that they made, right? It's the Probably next not. community that they've changed. The is this? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think that it will talk about their accomplishments. Yeah, and maybe it's not that they're like changing a whole community, but like. Right. I'm hoping that it's the next stepping stone of just like a small thing, like yeah. maybe they weld a sculpture in the park or something, you know? Sure, like, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think seeing what they are accomplishing is what is, that's going to show what yeah. we are accomplishing. Yeah. That's a cool place to end, I think. All right, really end this time too. Thank you so much for, for your time and for doing this. I really appreciate it. We had a couple false starts and yeah. we finally made it happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm really happy for that. And I think what you're doing is, I, I really do think what you're doing is super um, uh, 
I, super cool is is not a really good <laughs> way to describe what I'm feeling, but I don't know. How, it's it's um, it's fast. I, I think it's fascinating, and I think it's it's a different spin on how a lot of people think about these mobile kind of programs mm -hmm. that brings architecture into it in a much needed, or at least the way that I think architects might think about things differently mm -hmm. in a much needed way. So I think that that's yeah. that's fascinating. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. We had a good conversation. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... That concludes session 24, our interview with Maya Bird-Murphy from Chicago Mobile Makers. Thanks very much to Maya for spending some time um, with me and uh, talking about her awesome program. I really think what she's doing is super cool. So uh, go check her out at her website and uh, everywhere else. Um, and if you're enjoying the, these podcasts, uh, check us out too. We are on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff and on the internet at shouldworkmedia.com. All right. Thanks again for Maya for sharing your time with us. And until next time, bye-bye.